Yeah. So, so unicorn, are we, are we... Pink mythical creature. <laughs> With a curly horn. With a curly horn. How many children do you want, by the way? Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh! You did not ask him that! There you go, you've got three. Would you like an army? Chumasi, <laughs> seriously, I mean, they needed to do that for a long time. I think it's been a hard battle because they're damned if they you do and they're damned if they don't. You don't need to do this now. I'm just sorry. Save it for the podcast. Sorry. <laughs> Give me another champagne and I'll be on track again. 7.5 billion. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Digitals in a Cruel World, the go-to place for all cloud accounting news in the UK. So, it's an exciting day for us. We are at the Digital Accounting Show at the Arex launch event. Um, the first time, actually, that all three of us have been in the same place when we're recording this show. So, um, firstly, I'm just going to ask John, how are you finding it? Has it been fun so far? Yeah, it's been really fun so far. I've really enjoyed uh, meeting lots of people that I know, but I've only spoken to over Zoom or Teams for the last 18 months and lots of people I haven't seen in the flesh ever, so that's great. Um, some exciting new apps here as well, which is always great. It's good to see the ecosystem growing and developing. How have you found it, Ryan? Yeah, no, I, I love these events. Uh, this is uh, literally what I, I, I work for. Um, and yeah, like you say, loads of new, new tech, loads of new insights, and hopefully something we can delve into during the show. Indy, how you found it? This is a big thing for you, Eric's launch event. I've had such a crazy day, but I have never spoken to so many people in such a short amount of time. I can honestly say that every accountant I've met has been so excited to meet people and to actually be back in what is the game of it. Because I think it is just a learning opportunity and the show itself has got so many stages that you can learn from, um, which I thought would be quite intimidating, quite difficult for accountants to get by and get around, but actually it's just been the right amount and I think the venue is perfect for it as well. Yeah. Um, and I can honestly say that I've had such a great time, obviously, with you two. <laughs> You're too kind. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I've had a good time meeting other people and playing uh, a game of Guess the Height, which was... Oh, yes, that's good. a good point, actually. You know? There's been lots of people I've met today where I've only ever seen them on Zoom. Yeah. And I walk up to them right. and I'm staring up at them like that. It's, it's, yeah. it's an odd concept. Um, oh, but you no. haven't met loads of people where you were staring <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. Um, so, but yeah, so obviously our, our main topic today is all about Digital Council Show. We are hoping, if we're lucky, to grab Dan Cockerton for a few minutes just to ask the questions how the show's gone. But before we get into that, let's jump into app news. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Cool. Always. So on app news this week, uh, first I've got something. Um, as of yesterday, Zero have dropped um, Zero tax for personal tax. Um, now, it's been what I'd call a soft launch. Um, I don't know what you think of this, but generally um, the product that's been launched seems like it's in a beta testing phase. Lots in there, um, but the integration into HMRC seems quite minimal at the moment. It's more of a push, less of a pull, so you're not dragging down information on salary, etc. Um, and I guess some of the, the functionality on workflows, etc., seems a bit uh, minimal from, from what I take of it. Compared to some of the other products that that you know have been invested in for a bit longer, like Sage, for example, you know got there pretty early with their MTD for income tax piece. I feel that Zero using their marketplace, that you know their their accountants to kind of learn on this. What, have you got an opinion on that, John? Yeah, I, I mean I'm, I'm a bit like you, Ryan. I think it's a bit of a reaction to obviously we've got MTD for income tax coming down the track. 
Uh, not a huge amount of time now to get, get everything set up and up and running. Seems unlikely that, that it's going to be delayed. So you know, all of the, the major providers are going to have to have, a, have something that will, that will work for that. Um, I think very much in the same way that when Zero Tax originally launched, you know, it was it was really launched very softly with a lot of beta testing and a lot of ironing out quite a lot of the creaks and the creases that were there. So we'll just have to see how it goes. I mean, you know, we know from historical development that Zero compile in a lot of functionality quickly. Um, that doesn't always please everyone, but we'll just have to see how it goes. And you know, I think it's a, it's essential that, that Zero and other apps you know keep up the pace with it, with this development. Yeah, I think actually it would only be fair really to um, you know compare the products. So once once out there, we'll probably have to do a show on that and compare yeah, them. Um, it's too early probably to comment until I've had a chance to play with this, um, and I guess you know John and you had a chance to play with this. Probably too, too early to comment in too much detail. Some of the accountants have said that they really see it as a bold move by Zero to then actually have a stand here and launch the product. Accountants have also said that they welcome it because it was long overdue and it shows. Yeah. that there is space in this market. I think to be fair to Zero, they've, they've not been shy on saying this is coming. Um, so they've been talking about uh, zero tax, for income tax for, I don't know, years probably. Um, they've, been, <laughs> they've been trying it for quite a while. But um, I guess when, from my shock was um, the fact that it's not a pool um, because they've been talking a good game. They've been doing a lot of work. And admittedly, there seems to be an awful lot of functionality in there, especially compared to when zero tax for corporation tax launched. Yeah. Um, but I feel I just want that a little bit more, and it hasn't quite got that yet. Um, but yeah, caveat in that, I need to play with it. Um, so, but you know, we could talk about zero tax all day. So, have you got anything else? Um, so, I've got a bit of an update on the the PayPal sort of crypto news that we talked about in a previous episode. Uh, so, you know, we just got a bit more information out there in terms of, of what's going on. So, really interestingly, the the one of the product guys at PayPal had sort of said that uh, in the US when they launched uh, their crypto uh, services that now uh, PayPal users log into their account uh, twice as often if they've got some sort of crypto in their in their wallet compared to non-crypto PayPal users. Um, also, what's really interesting is that you know the UK uh, launch of, of this PayPal crypto uh, side of the business is a little bit different from the US. So, if you're a US customer, you're able to pay for goods and services using crypto from your PayPal wallet wherever PayPal's accepted. That's not going to be permitted in the UK for the time being. Oh, wow. So you're only basically able to buy and sell crypto. Uh, and it, obviously, we said it was restricted to four of the main the main crypto um, uh, currencies that are available. But equally, what's really interesting was that uh, PayPal had launched some information that YouGov had, um, had done some research on saying that uh, just 3% of people in 2019 own crypto, and that's wow. now up to 8%. So, you know, not big numbers in the overall, but definitely growing, definitely of more interest. Uh, and, you know, as we know from talking to some of the people that are here at the show, uh, crypto is definitely on their agenda, and they're really excited about what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, I definitely feel that I need to go out and buy some crypto following this. Um, <laughs> it feels like it's getting a lot bigger than I take, I, I, um, well, I'm taking it for granted, I guess. Um, so, talking about updates, um, I know obviously we had some on crypto and we mentioned zero bank reconciliations before um, there has been um, an update from zero on this and this is actually a reaction to the market so we mentioned um, on the last show the fact that a lot of people react to the fact that um, the individual transactions were too large zero kind of replied to this and commented and basically said that they've done that for a reason um, well a few reasons actually one is actually to open it up to um, people that uh, you know might be 
slightly impaired um, in, their, in their site, etc. Um, and so it's opening up to a wider network because they're a bigger business now. They kind of have to consider these things. Um, and the other is actually to align with other products, mostly in Australia, to be fair. And we're kind of taking the brunt of that. But what Zero have said is they've taken that on board and they're going to develop one that condenses those transactions down to still give that um, level of service to what, I guess, the UK market expects from the old product. So we hopefully get the best of both worlds. Um, so that's us. Um, uh, that's an update on the zero bank reconciliation. Um, I believe, Indy, you had you Yeah, had some. I had something because last time we spoke about the raise and uh, I saw FreshBooks had raised $130 million, um, which would take it into unicorn status, um, Series E. So that's... You know, for, from my perspective, I think that shows that they're really, um, there is so much room, and as I said earlier, there is so much room for growth in this market. And I think that um, it's immense what is their position of seeing the UK as perhaps a, a, a core part of that, which I think a lot of apps have. Yeah, I mean, so uh, FreshBooks, for, for those of you that aren't aware, because it's generally not that well known in the UK, a Canadian-based firm, um, similar to like Zero Quibbles Online, etc., big over in Canada. Um, looks like hopefully this um, this investment will help growth uh, their growth and expansion overseas. Um, but I just wanted because you know this is something that I don't fully understand. What is a unicorn um, in the context of companies? Can you elaborate on that? Do you know, uh, Indy? It you depends should... on who you ask. If okay. you ask my six-year-old daughter, she'd say it's the, the type of cake that she wanted, and, uh, <laughs> pink, fluffy, with a horn. Um, if you ask anyone that's in tech, we'd say it is, it's a mythical. It's, it's one that's actually going the distance and committed and has found the sweet spot for growth. Okay. So the growth multiplier is such that they have, they're very desirable, attractable to investors. Um, and that's probably why they raised 130 million. So. Okay, so just because I've got a simple mind. Um, so is this speed of growth and level of investment that kind of gets that unicorn status? Does that sound right? Yeah, it's generally around the speed of growth. Okay, cool. I think I understand. Um, John, do you have anything else? Uh, yeah, so another, another thing that I really love at the moment out in the tech space is robotic process automation. Um, I, I think it's a huge area for growth, particularly for accountancy practices and accountancy businesses to help advise their clients on improving process, uh, getting around those problems where systems don't integrate or you've got maybe some legacy products that you want to try and remove some of the, the inefficiencies that you have. Uh, automation Anywhere is a massive tool that, uh, that lots of people are, are out there using and uh, I think we I think Dan talked about UiPath earlier on. That's another one that, that's um, that's out there, and uh, they've just um, they've just announced uh, a new tool helping to sort of simplify the implementation of robotic process automation. Because I think one of the problems that a lot of people find when they sort of jump into this is, although it's a, a low-code solution and supposed to be um, you know, able to make things a little bit easier for people, it can still be a little bit over overbearing and it can be quite challenging just to get those automations set up and up and running and also monitor them to make sure that they're working efficiently. So they've just uh, released this whole new uh, education program and a system to make, you know, just rolling out RPA a lot easier for people. Yeah, I mean, so from my perspective, we, we, we dabbled in RPA at Scrumbland and it was something that I think it's quite a big barrier to entry to really get involved in this. So anything that makes that process easier to identify where you could potentially use RPA internally, how you could, um, I guess, adopt it or, or roll it out in scale. 
would be a benefit. But I think it's only fair um, to talk about it as we are at the Arix launch event to talk on Arix, uh, especially as Indy um, is from Arix. So Indy, I'm not going I'm I'm to talk myself. Let you take the, the stage here. Tell no, us about Arix. other than it has been a great day. We launched in the UK officially today. Um, and we've had so many accountants that have come to us and said, hey, what's the pitch? And we've said, there is no pitch because you're our partners. So, <laughs> and actually that is genuinely what it has been. So I've had some gents say to me today, oh, what's in it for us? Well, you know, client relationships, helping them to actually get a more sustainable source of income. And we're really not in in it to sell it. So I, I, we had a panel talk earlier, which you were amazing at, just to talk and educate the market in terms of what is out there and how it works with the competition. And um, yeah, today has been, which I feel like is warranted, I feel like this should be the end though, uh, a toast. Cheers. It has been the champagne launch, so we're, we're quite happy with that. And uh, Dan's done a great job of making sure that We've had so many people here today and engaged with us. Um, so that's it, really. We're just happy. No, um, so I can't remember if we've talked about this before, so I apologise to our viewers and listeners if we have. But Arix is basically, and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, um, so Arix is a selective invoice discounting tool, integrates into Xero, um, but uses the, the market to drive down prices. So you're basically put, pitching your, your invoice that you're putting up out to the market for investments to kind of bid, uh, investors to bid on it. Um, so you should be getting the best rate. Is that, is that right, Andy? We are all about driving the cost of financing down because we're not in an individual bank or investor's pocket. So we have sophisticated investors and they tend to trade on a lot of different um, strategies. And uh, so the, the invoice is fulfilled by a range of different bids. The more compelling the invoice and the debtor and a lot of different strategies that they have, the lower the cost of financing, which makes it so much more compelling for SMEs. They get the money the next day, which is in this space, is common, that you would have the speed, but no one really pays attention to the other side, which is the cost, because actually so often it's associated with getting the money in quickly and yeah. not actually what it costs the SME. So yeah. I think we're really excited with how it's gone today and how the accountants have supported it. Good. And I think that's a big, big differentiator for Rx, isn't it? You know, we see, you know, lots of players in the market, whether they're established players who, you know, do slow and cheap, or we've got some of the newer, you know, challenges that are coming to the space that do quick and expensive, but nobody's managed to do quick and cheap. Uh, or quick and competitive, if you want to call it that, uh, to get into the space. So I, you know, both of us have worked with Rx to, to help them you know, just fine-tune their product for the UK market, and we're really excited about how it's getting in there. And also, you know, it's slightly different because they hold the credit risk as well, so you're passing that away from, the, from our clients and their businesses you know, onto, onto somebody else. So it makes a little bit of a difference in this space uh, from, from some of the other funders and the uh, you know, businesses that we're maybe more used to using. Yeah, and you know the whole point of this is to be independent. And I know we have we have Indy, and it's only fair that we talk about Arix right now. But I guess you know the, the takeaway from this is explore, investigate, and um, talk to to Arix, see if it's going to work for you. For us, we think it's a great product, um, but you need to look into it. And um, so I think that's at news for today. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can grab Dan. 
You need to borrow Alistair Barlow's. They're raspberry. They're raspberry. Raspberry. Is that right? When you come from north, you say raspberry, not raspberry. Yeah, yeah. We were supposed to start at half three. It is now ten past four. That's true. He is so frustrated. I mean, we've got loads of great recording when we're not doing it. Great to see that uh, we're joined by Dan Pepperton um, and we're, we'll be excited to find out what's been going on with the show. All the background to the many uh, trials and tribulations that he's been experiencing trying to get this off the ground and um, hear from the man himself. So um, Dan, great to see you. Thank you for joining us, it's really appreciated. I know you're very busy today. Um, tell us a little bit about your background and how we got to the Digital Accountancy Show. Yeah, uh, thanks John, thanks guys for having me. Um, yeah, so I've worked in the accountancy profession for around 12 years now in a couple of different roles. My last employed role, I was working over at Zero. I was one of their territory managers. I was account managing at 1.300 firms of accountants for them. Um, we saw a real, well I saw a real mixture of some firms adopting online technology really, really well and for a lot of firms it becoming part of their DNA. Um, but for the vast majority of firms, I would say actually really struggled with it a little bit. Struggled with um, client buying, staff buying, partner buying. Um, so we decided, or well, I decided to launch a media business, an event that could help educate uh, accountants on all things digital trans transformation, change management, um, and you know the app ecosystem that surrounds Dykes of Zero and QuickBooks and if we can play a small part in helping the profession move more digital um, and more efficiency and serve their clients better, then that's a win in my eyes. So that's kind of where we kind of have the kind of background to it. Um, we were due to launch this event March last year. We ended up having to cancel it two weeks out, yeah. um, which was a, a bit of a kick in the stomach. But thankfully, all has gone well this year. And I think we were just under around, just under a thousand people in total through the doors today. So we're really wow. pleased with the way it's gone. Brilliant. And um, so really fascinating that you decided to launch you know, this, this business and, and launch this in, in a sector that's you know, reasonably you know, well-established. You know, we've got lots of things going on, like you know, other, other shows and obviously things like ZeroCon as well. So yeah. how do you try and make Digital Accountancy Show a bit different from everything else? Yeah. So we definitely see ourselves as a technology conference first, rather than kind of all singing exhibition, come down and see as many stands as you can. For us, it's about experience first, content second, and then getting around and seeing as many stands as possible. If you can focus on those things, then I think you're on to a winner. So we actually were kind of visiting shows in Europe. So we were going to like Web Summit in Portugal, there was an event in Berlin, and we were actually going to these shows, these technology conferences, to borrow ideas, what were they doing in terms of production, content, staging. Um, and yeah, we want, to, we want to bring a real kind of new experience into the sector. We want to be really aligned with technology. So what this year was a bit difficult because we were kind of reacting to things quite quickly. But in future years, you'll see us kind of use things like AR, VR. Um, you know, we want to use some blockchain technology for some things as well. So cool. um, I don't know if, again, next year might come around too soon, but you know, things like event platforms. So event organizers like us have got, are building really great communities. Like you see today, nearly a thousand people in this room, more people interested in kind of accounting technology moving digital. Actually, that's like a thousand people in the community. So what we will also do in the future is host our events on event platforms. So if there are people that can't make today, they can still do, they can speak to exhibitors online, they can see the sessions online, they can network online. So you'll see us become more aligned with technology and using platforms like that. But we've got huge ambitions for this. In our first year, we've got just under a thousand people through the doors. Yeah, we want to be we want to be kind of twenty, thirty thousand people in a few years. So that's kind of where we want to go with it. Yeah, I mean the uh, I've got to say the the buzz out there was was great. Amazing. Um, yeah. yeah, especially in in the, the, the 
app area, the, the app marketplace, I can't remember. Yeah, the, the app page, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that, yeah. that was great. Um, but I guess, you know, playing devil's advocate, is yeah. there anything that, um, from wandering out today, I know it's brand new, you're not going to be able to digest anything, but is there anything that you might like, tweak um, that you would have thought about maybe doing differently? Yeah, yeah, I think one of the things we always have to consider, so we've run this event across two floors, um, and there is always kind of peaks and troughs on the floors, like if you look around now, it's probably slightly quieter on the main stage floor area, so we need to find out a way on how we kind of control the flow of traffic, so everybody's got a nice flow of people going past the stands, the stages, at any one point. To give you a very quick example of something we've learned today is we should have had like an announcer upstairs saying such <laughs> yeah. and such is now speaking on the main stage. Yeah, make your yeah. way down. And that would be, when you go to conferences, you kind of take that for granted, but we, we didn't have that today. Whereas if we had, we could have driven more people down. So that's just one very small thing yeah, from an yeah. event organising perspective. Just little things like that you, you, you pick up on. But on the whole, I don't think so. I think some of the maybe stand positioning will change. We'll kind of relax for a few days, recover, and then really kind of dissect what worked, and we'll we will pick out what didn't work, and we'll kind of make sure that we try and address that for next year. Yeah. I think, uh, speaking just as someone that's on the other side of the table, um, I think the opportunity and the platform you've provided is amazing, and it's actually the first time I've ever seen someone tackle this in a completely different way and be really innovative about how you've done that because. The amount of content that is available to everyone to learn today, the the way that it has been branded, the way that you've gone about like introducing everyone, it feels digital and it yeah. feels like it's for a modern accountant. Yeah. I'm joined by two modern accountants. Yeah, yeah. Blanked <laughs> yeah. one. But yeah, yeah. I would say that it definitely feels like a completely different experience from what we've had before. Yeah. And so I, I think you've done a fantastic job of making sure that actually everyone, whether it's from the accountancy side or from the industry side, it's a different model to what people have experienced in the UK, and I think that's groundbreaking. Yeah. Thanks, Indy. Thanks, Indy. Yeah, so I, I think like, the venue has a lot to do with that as well. Like, yes. we were searching for a venue for kind of three or four months, and outside of the outside of Tottenham Hotspur's main sponsors, we were the first company to book an event with them. Yeah. Wow. So like for a lot of a lot of their team today, this was quite a big milestone for them as well, and getting it all over yeah. the line and stuff. So, um, yeah, it was the first venue that we walked into and it just, it kind of blew us away. Like we were in hard hats, high-vis jackets because the stadium wasn't even open to the public wow. back then when we were coming around yeah. looking at it. Um, so, yeah, we're really pleased and you can see the digital signage everywhere and, um, yeah, we've gone, really gone to town on the branding. So, yeah, we're just going to kind of work really hard to make sure that we keep putting on great content and we, we just, we really just want to blow people away if we can. Like this is our first event. Yeah. My personal kind of, savings all of it went into this um, so i'm glad we're kind of through that now and we can build on years two three four and five when yeah. we've got a bit of money back into the business and we can reinvest it and, and hopefully we've built a nice platform for ourselves it sounds great and um yeah obviously you mentioned you had to pull the show a couple of weeks before covid hit yeah. um so what's what's had to change as a result of that obviously finding a venue and, and any other problems i'm, I'm loving the wristbands by the yeah, way yeah. Like a great idea yeah, good. but what else have you had to sort of do to accommodate the changes required um, uh, th well, the wristbands was one. Um, what else? Um, Did you explain the wristbands? Because everyone's going to say, what Yeah, are so the just for people that are listening on the podcast as opposed to watching. So we've all got wristbands. Um, so we, we wanted to play a part in, you know, we're bringing people back together again for the first time. So we wanted to take away that awkwardness between attendees of do we shake hands, do we fist pump, are you happy to hug, are you happy to 
you know, do you want to keep your distance? And that's, a, that's an awkward situation. So we yeah. wanted to try and stop that from happening. Yeah. And we felt like the best way to do it was if you're comfortable hugging, shaking hands, your green wristbands. If you're happy with fist bumps only, then you're yellow. And if you'd rather just kind of not, not, not touch anyone, which is fine, and I totally understand, then, then you're red. And I didn't see, I don't think I saw one red wristband today. Really? Um, yeah, everyone yeah, was in green or that. green or yellow, so no, I, I, that's so the wristband system. Actually, I, I remember meeting someone, they had a green wristband here, and I said, oh, so we can hug, and they said, handshake, indeed, handshake. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> that was they're John. It's because they're in a dance yeah. That yeah. was John, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe an auditor. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, come back to your question, John. That, I mean, that was really it. Like, um, we had to kind of reduce capacities, and we were very conscious of that as well. Yeah. Um, it felt really busy upstairs, and it felt really busy by the main stage this morning. Um, I think if we'd gone a bit more than that, I don't know, maybe it would have felt a bit too uncomfortable. But everybody was happy to kind of yeah. get in amongst it. Um, and I felt like the event was run, run safely. I mean, obviously, we had to do kind of the lateral flow test stuff or, or double jab um, proof at the entrance. Well, that was kind of it, really. Yeah, yeah. And I must say, like, as an attendee, yeah, I feel very comfortable. I think the, the setup's great. And yeah, it was busy, but I think it's not overwhelmingly busy. Yeah. And, and, and actually, from a from an attendee point of view, it's so great to see people around is, and yeah. the, the stands and the, everyone else wanting to talk and, yeah. and get to know each other. And Do you know what? I've had so many conversations with just people on a screen. And it's yeah, it's weird, isn't it, when you see someone yeah, in face 3D face. for the first time. Yeah. Do you know what else I find amazing? <laughs> is when you meet people for the first time and they're either like much smaller <laughs> or much bigger <laughs> than what yeah. you, you said like, a minute ago. Oh, okay, about. yeah. 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 If, if you don't mind me jumping, obviously, this was delayed a year, yeah. um, or more than a year in the end. Um, and I'd assume you had to pivot like the whole kind of brand, the whole scheme to make sure you could continue. Yeah. Um, can you just jump into to that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we, um, by the time that we postponed the show, as hard as it was to take, we had to think, right, how do we bring the audience and the community that we have and our technology companies, clients, partners like Arex Markets, um, how do we bring them together in a way where one, we can commercially survive as a business, and not only that, but maybe a little bit more as well. Um, and what different ways can we do that? So we pivoted into virtual events, we pivoted into webinars, um, we launched a magazine, all digital, all online. Um, and yeah, they were successful. They were successful. Our, our, we, last year we made the decision to, when we postponed the show a second time, we decided to launch something called Digital Accountancy Week which was five virtual summits, mini sub, no, yeah, five full day summits in one week, which was really intense. Um, but that went down really well. We had like 1,500 people on it. We had some great speakers. We had people from, uh, we had the, uh, uh, not the CEO, um, but the CTO of Hewlett Packard, who looks after the Mercedes Formula One team speak on the event. We had the managing director from a company called UiPath, who uh, yep. they're a robotics company. Like we had some really great, great speakers on there. And, um, but, I think we were, you know, you kind of get webinar or zoomed out after a while, don't you? And we, we did start to see the numbers declining. Um, and that's why the face-to-face -face event came around at the perfect time. Yeah. And um, I wouldn't say it was easy, but I think it was easier than normal to get people signed up to the event because yeah. people were just dying to get out there. So one of the things that I missed this morning because I was too busy chatting to some of the guys downstairs was your announcement about the um, digitalaccountancy.com. Yep. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So over the last 18 months, because we've done everything digitally, and um, we've kind of reacted to things. So we, we're doing webinars on one platform, magazine on another platform, virtual events on another platform, and whatever else we're doing. So what we've decided to do is wrap it all up and bring it into one central website. Um, and the kind of mission of it is actually to become a 
online community learning hub and content hub to really you know, have an impact on accountancy firms and the people that run them and their junior members of team as well. Um, and we're using a data engine in the back end to really understand what people are, what content they're interested in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Ryan, you're interested in systems transformation for clients or app advisory. Um, you know, we will be able to, after a period of time, surface up the information that's relevant to Ryan Piercy, rather than a scattergun approach, here's a load of stuff, what, yeah. you know, find your way around that. Um, we will be able to surface up the stuff that you're interested in, whether it be webinar, editorial content, training, or whatever it might be. So we're really, really excited by it. Um, and then from a training perspective, we really want to help accountants. For those that want to become kind of more advisory-based, I appreciate that not everyone wants to go down that route. We actually want to play a part in, okay, we all know, we know why. It's the how that we want to do. So we're partnering up with a, a couple of businesses who do this already, kind of help accountants with advisory and better meetings and upselling and business development and talking around the numbers. So we want to play a part there as well. So um, this sounds really interesting to me. Is it live now? Or when, when, does, it hit, when does it hit the... the um, yeah, we were place? hoping to launch today. So my talk <laughs> on the main stage, it's live now, go sign <laughs> up. Um, but things got delayed. Anyone who's built kind of a website or software knows it tends to happen. Um, I think we're, we're aiming for now 1st of October. So we're giving ourselves another four weeks to get everything over the line. So, um, yeah, anyone interesting who, anyone interested listening wants to kind of sign up for early access, they can do that. Yep. Um, then we'll go into beta in a few weeks, um, iron out all the bugs and, um, yeah, get some more people signed up and stuff. And then, yeah, we'll probably launch in four weeks, I hope. Super. Super exciting. Yeah. So, <clears throat> one last thing then. Um, you know, you sort of touched on the fact that you want to be bigger than Zerocom, bigger than, than everything else that's out there. Uh, so what, what does the future hold for Digital Accountancy Show and how do you get to that 20,000, 30,000 people yeah. through the door? From a brand perspective, I think we have to continue to like build on our brands. Like what I learned by being at Zero was you can create a brand that people really love and really buy into. Everybody I've spoken to today from an attendee perspective said, this is amazing, this is great. We put on a load of content, load of sessions, and that's why we've gone to town on, you know, for the people that are not kind of can't see inside the stadium, we've taken out all the digital signage in the stadium, all of the kind of the big TV screens in the corner. Um, from more from a branding perspective, and just to show people that we're really serious about this, and actually we hope that through our brand you can feel aligned to what we're doing. And you know, I've seen events come and go in the past. Like I went to a couple again before COVID, lots of stands there, but there just wasn't any. No there buzz. was no real purpose, there was no buzz, there was, I mean, this, the event was dead and hasn't come back. Mm. Whereas at the heart and the core of everything that we're doing is actually trying to give accountants the tools, the information and the community and the connections to really thrive digitally and evolve their service lines for the future. So if we kind of stay true to that, then I think the numbers will increase every year and we'll look to double the numbers next year. But that's okay. our target and if we can do that, four or five years, then hopefully we'll, we'll get there. Um, and I also think it helps that it's a free to attend event. So <laughs> hopefully we'll get to 20,000 a lot easier than what paying a few hundred quid for a ticket might do. But um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, yeah. the, what we're trying to do really. Yeah, I, I think um, it, definitely from what I've seen, I, 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 I echo um, that people get buzzed from this. Um, it really seems to have hit the market. Maybe because it's the first event yeah. um, back that people can enjoy it. I don't know, but it definitely, I know. I, Playing devil's advocate here, um, but to me, it, it feels special. Yeah, cheers, um, but I'm in this. Uh, this is what I live for. Um, so this yeah. is everything I love. Yeah. And actually, thank you for to, to you know throwing it all in. As you said, all of your 
um, all your savings in yeah. and running this event. I think from my perspective, and I hope everyone um, that, that listens and watches this um, from their perspective as well, we thank you for that. I know, thank you. I thank you guys for all the support. Uh, John, you do all, you've done loads of us and content-wise over the last kind of 18 months. Indy, for your support with, with uh, Arex, I uh, really appreciate all of that. And then Ryan, you obviously sit on our advisory board and tell us what to do and not what to do. So, so yeah, thanks for your support as well. It's been great. Well, cheers, Dan. Thank you very much. And uh, let's hope there's much more success in the future for you. Nice one. Cheers, Dan. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, everyone. Cool. Cheers. Come on now, move up. Too close to me. Mm. You know, COVID. Too close. You were snuggling in before. I, I know. <laughs> so sobering up. That's very, I have to like put pillows around my room on at home. It's very strange. <laughs> How long have you known John and Ryan? I was like, yeah, like too long. Don't scratch anything. Just don't. Move. I'm not scratching anything. I'm just literally just, moving my phone. Just, yeah. So into our of interest section. Uh, anyone want to start? Yep, I'm going to start. So um, for anyone who's a really boring traditional accountant, you'll be really excited to know that Windows 11 uh, has officially been given a release date, which Woo. is the 5th of October. <laughs> um, you know, uh, it, it, is, it is exciting. It's exciting news because um, for me, what's really, really fascinating, it's really interesting for the firm that I work for at Beaver and Struthers, is we've built and made teams like the real fulcrum and focus point for the practice. Windows 11 is going to put teams uh, front and center within the whole ecosystem in there. So hopefully you're gonna push email, boring on e email back down the chain a little bit. Um, but also equally, you know, for a lot of businesses, it's just the next iteration of, of keeping up to speed with technology in your business. Uh, lots of challenges, I know. Uh, so if you're interested in rolling out Windows 11, you need to check it out. You need to have a look at the website, find out if you've got problems around some of your uh, hardware um, in particular, and equally, you probably need to speak to some of your vendors if you're still using some desktop server-based software. Yeah, no, it's, um, I mean, Windows can be a boring topic, but I think actually with what they've done and they've pivoted to, something I picked up is um, yeah that it's going to be free um, and they're going yep. to like roll down in in stages. Um, so the whole Windows, I guess, offering is all about now just upgrading and evolving over time, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, something that I picked up this week um, was about um, there was a weird news article that basically said that thirty four percent of accounting firms don't trust the data quality when they outsource information, um, which I actually took as 66% of firms trust the information that they, um, they get once they outsource firms. Surely that's a positive. You know, you, if you're outsourcing, there's a big risk. 66% of those businesses are trusting that data. That's a big thing. We've had lots of outsourcing firms here. Something that we don't really do much of, we do a little bit at Scrumland, but generally not something we've really delved into. But 66%, I think that's good if you've got full reliance because anything you push outside your firm is you know, of risk. Um, so I don't know if, if either you two have worked with outsourcing, but from, from our perspective, um, I thought that's a positive rather than a negative. Now, I'm, I'm amazed, actually. I mean, from personal experience, we found outsourcing, certainly in the past, can be a bit challenging. It's a bit difficult. Uh, again, you know, with us, we, we do a little bit of outsourcing, mainly on the audit side, um, and, that, and that's through our international network that we're part of. So, you know, there's a, there's a level of trust. I think once you start to sort of take that outsourcing to another entity, you know, we've got Advanced Track here that, that Vipple's part of. Um, you, know, uh, you know, it's all about building trust, making sure the quality is good um, and, and getting what you, what you want back as, as expected. Uh, so I'm, I'm amazed that the uh, satisfaction levels are so high, to be perfectly honest. Can I ask the difference between outsourcing 
and what I learned recently is offshoring country. So for me, outsourcing is about handing it over to a third party, uh, you know, from which you know there'll be some sort of uh, you know SLA or some sort of relationship in terms of what's what's required, what's expected. Whereas offshoring is literally you know taking a part of the existing yeah. business and moving it to another another territory. So that's that's how I see it, um, and and that's how we're working with our. Uh, outsourcing at the moment. Yeah, I think the, the modern, um, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I, th I think the modern take is also from an offshoring perspective, you can um, bring in an outsourcer, but they are dedicated to you, which I think you were, you were mentioning mm. there. So there's, there's kind of a joint model. If you've got enough work that you can have someone dedicated from um, an outsourced business, then that's labelled as offshoring because they work for you. You are employing that yes. person, but basically on a contract rate. Um, and so that's how I would define the two. And I think there are certain businesses that work in different models. Um, you can still go to an outsourced firm, um, but have an offshore facility. Yeah. Um, so something that if you are you know, interested in, I think you need to explore in some more depth. Um, definitely something that we didn't get into in, in too much depth at, at Scrum Bland, but um, we've only really done outsourcing to date. Um, yeah. But sometimes I think you need to find the right model that fits you. But I, I think I think a lot of firms that have outsourced have probably done it in the past and maybe 10 years or so ago. And the difference now, of course, is technology's changed so much. You know, in terms of you know when when I did outsourcing at a firm that I used to work for, the biggest challenge was how do we get that information across to that team? And they were based in India at the time. And then how do we get it back? How do we transmit that data safely? Uh, you know, how much information needs to be scanned in? How do we manage the quality and the, and the control of that data? And that was a huge problem. Now with like cloud systems, if you've got a client on zero, well, you can conceivably outsource the bookkeeping of that, you know, of that data relatively easily, particularly if you've got a lot of other connected tools there. So the concept of outsourcing and the way that it's delivered and, and, and done is, is totally different from what it was five, 10 years ago. Yeah. And I think I think a lot of, businesses, certainly from my personal experience, have experienced outsourcing in the, the bad old days of technology and not really revisited it in the new the new world. And just talking of you know new business models, you know, if you talk to someone like um, Alex Huerta who runs Soaring Falcon, you know, she's now running a, an accounting practice which has got no fixed abode. You know, she's got a team uh, who are out in Cambodia, I think it is, but she manages to travel the world and run a, a successful accountancy practice that really fits in with what she wants to do. Yeah, I mean, I think outsourcing from my personal perspective uh, starts raising some uh, interesting topics as well because, you know, um, from talking to lots of accounts today, they're struggling to hire. Um, you know, we've, as a, as a country, been outsourcing for a while and, and that's probably impacted the development of our um, junior staff that then, you know, you know, become the more experienced staff, which is a problem higher at the moment. So I think that's definitely a topic I'm not going to go into in too much depth today. Probably an entire, um, an you know, entire show episode. on that. Um, so before we dive into that, India, yeah. have you got anything for us uh, this week? So, yes, uh, HMRC recovered $7.5 in debt, uh, which I thought was a really interesting time to collect on debt. During this time, I would have said it was the most difficult time. I don't know if you have an opinion on that because I saw that and thought it was a great stat. Yeah, it's, it's, it's controversial, isn't it? Because we've, we're, we're in a period where businesses are struggling and um, big news article, HMRC have taken more money from businesses. Woo! Um, but I think we actually have to um, put this into context. HMRC deferred a lot of payments. Yep. So part of this 7.5 billion is probably just them recovering on, on that deferred debt. Um, so although, you know, big headline, um, and it's, it's hard to tell how much of that is actually HMRC ramping up the service and how much of that is just the government decisions to delay. Um, I don't 
I, from my memory of reading the article, I don't think they really delved into that in too much. No. Um, but yeah, it, it's, um, it's an interesting one. Anyway, yeah. anything and then, from And they covered, I mean, the, the debt recovery, they covered that, that update was given for April to June of this year. Okay. Um, so I think you're right. I think it's quite clearly quite a lot of the stuff that was deferred, the you know, VAT pays, you earn payments and stuff. And I know personally from, from dealing with clients, you know, VAT was probably the one that most people deferred the most of. Pay as you earn was a little bit more tricky, particularly if you were dealing with furlough. Um, and I think in the in the article, it still said that HMRC were owed a, fur, a further fifty billion uh, pounds of, of arrears. Wow. So seven point five billion sounds great. Uh, fifty billion, ooh, that's quite a lot to still recover. And, and clearly, we want to get that in the government's coffers. Really, that's true. I think we need it as a country, don't we? Anyway, any, before we type into government uh, debt, <laughs> anything else from anyone else? Uh, so I've just got one last thing. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, Zero produce a, a series of, of business insights which they release um, on, on a fairly regular debt basis. I think it's quarterly, if I remember rightly. And they basically pull this data from, from all of their client data. It's anonymized, um, if you can do that with your teeth in. Um, and they, they've uh, published some recent numbers re uh, which show that um, Australia and New Zealand as territories are outperforming the UK in terms of business recovery coming out of COVID. Uh, what's really, really interesting though is to see that um, the, the effect of the, the recent lockdowns that have happened in Australia has seen a big dip and a big fall in Australia's uh, growth and the recovery such that it's almost back to, back to zero. But in the UK in particular, what we're seeing is we're still below zero. So we've not actually recovered back to uh, where we are. So that's, you know, that's indicative of a wider potential trend within, within zero, uh, within, not within zero, within the UK market. Um, and, and clearly we've got to take that in the context of how many businesses are using zero compared to the you know, other products that are out there. Yeah, I think, I think that probably echoes what we've seen actually just from global press. I um, mean, the fact that the UK, probably in our prudent nature, are being cautious when we come back to uh, you know, operating normally. You know, the digital council show is a brilliant example of that. We are come back, we are enjoying this, but we make sure that things are in place that make us all feel secure. Um, so I think that's a, probably a good way to wrap up. Um, so that brings us to the close of the uh, Digital Accountancy Show, Digitals in a Cruel World podcast slash vidcast. Um, thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you've gained a lot of insights. We have enjoyed this. We've loved doing this. Firstly, I need to um, probably apologise. It's, you know, it's live. We've got people um, in and out. If you had any, um, you know, you can hear people in the background or, you know, us stopping people coming through just part of being on a live set. But if you want to reach out to us, um, please follow us on the socials, uh, Digitals, Digitals in a Cruel World. If you want to reach out to me, follow me on LinkedIn, uh, Ryan Piercy, or follow me on Twitter, Ryan M. Piercy. John, if anyone wants to reach out to you. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, as I've always said, crazy name, easy to find. Uh, or find me at John underscore Toon on Twitter. At Indivere on Twitter and Indy Tatler on LinkedIn, and I'm always open. <laughs> That's an interesting end comment. Um, so um, also, um, as we discussed and as we covered, and as Dan alluded to, uh, digitalcountry.com has launched. Please, um, if you're interested in this, and I think it's a great venture, sign up um, for early access. Um, and once again, thank you for listening. If you um, have any comments and you're listening, please uh, leave, us, leave us a review. It'd be great to hear your feedback. Please subscribe, follow us. Um, we basically want to spread this to as many people as possible. Great to uh, have you listening today and hopefully we uh, get you on future podcasts. Thank you very much. Bye. Um.
Unicorn, one bill valuation. Missed that bit. Oh. Uh, no, I thought it was good. You did really good. <laughs> <laughs>